Welcome to the inner room, a space where we ponder the inner movements of our heart to find God by finding examples and instructions in daily scripture readings. The emotions in our hearts can help us or hinder us in our spiritual journey. Open your heart, explore your emotions, and align thoughts and emotions with God's plans for you. When we learn to feel and align our emotions, we advance in our prayer life by loving more deeply, remaining in peace more often, and finding courage for the journey of life. My name is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and a big shout out to my son Marco Niño, producer of this podcast. Sit back or walk with us. You are most welcome here. Friends, the readings for today tell us about humility. We find Jesus again in Luke chapter 14 on a Sabbath, dining with the leading Pharisees in their home, being observed carefully. He's talking in parables to those who have been invited, the ones in the inner circle and the ones that we described yesterday would be in the gallery looking into the center place where the conversation would include not just the main dining guests, but anybody who wanted to be part of the conversation. Jesus is saying, how do, how do you choose the place where you sit? This may have happened to you. You may have gone to someone's house. You may have gone to a lecture or to a party. And maybe you have chosen a place where you've been asked to either move up closer to the guest of honor or further away, depending on who else was invited. And Jesus ends the parable by saying, Everyone, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. I wonder what your definition of humility is. I like Teresa of Avila's definition, that humility is to be truthful about what one is, where one is, to see oneself as God sees one, to speak of oneself or the situation as God would speak of that situation or of oneself. This is and kind of authenticity, a simplified version of looking with eyes from a divine perspective for ourselves and for our moment, whatever that moment may be. Perhaps in your job, you've done a really great job and maybe the people that are around you are not really commending you for it, or they're not patting you in the shoulder saying you've done a great job, but you know you've done a great job. And maybe they're not saying it because they take it for granted. Maybe they are not saying it because they don't appreciate it. Maybe they're not saying it because they don't like you or they have something against you. I've been in all those situations in the workplace. I have learned over time to place myself in front of God and say, is this the very best I could do? And do it for the delight that I was given a talent and that I am using it to the best of my ability and that God is delighted in it. It is not easy to do this, but I've also been in a situation where people can be putting themselves down. I can put myself down. I can have all these thoughts in my mind that will fight against me or tell me I could have done better or people are not really appreciating this and it is because you're not really good enough. And there's all these thoughts that one has to fight Again, it's very useful to push those aside and to take a deep breath and see, and see how does God see this? How does God see me? Why do I have this talent that I've used and I've done it to the best of my ability and it is pleasing my Heavenly Father? 
We have to learn to tame these mental conversations that we have and not allow them to take the best of us. In the first reading, we continue in Romans chapter 11, and Paul is still speaking about the Jewish people and the place of preference that they have at the table of the Lord. And the conundrum that their having killed Jesus represents for him, how can it be that those to whom it was promised that the Messiah would come and those to whom it was revealed that he came, how can it be that they are the ones who killed Jesus? What a conundrum. God has not rejected, rejected his people. They're the people he chose. And yet, for a long time in history, because the Jewish people had killed Jesus, there was sort of a persecution for them, which is terrible. Uh, but if you're Paul, can you imagine whatever your church is? Can you imagine if your church decided to kill the pastor? You know, they were against them. And then you're part of that church. Well, how do you, how do you negotiate those thoughts and feelings that your own church has killed, not only killed, crucified Jesus, right? How do you reconcile that you are part of that people and at the same time that people has caused a great murder? And he knows that Jesus has resurrected and he knows, as he says in Romans 11, that through their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make them jealous. Now, if their transgression is enrichment for the world and if their diminished number is enrichment for the Gentiles, how much more their full number? Can you imagine when all the Jewish people, when all of us in the world have turned our hearts and can look up and say, Jesus is Lord. This is an incredible mystery. Why the promise would come through the same people that the transgression came. And yet we know that God's promises are true and that he expects to deliver the deliverance to come out of Zion and that this is where the covenant was made. Psalm 94 tells us that the Lord will not abandon his people. He will not abandon us when we sin, when we stray, when we falter, when we fail. He will not abandon us because if he's made a covenant with us, he will continue walking with us, supporting us, lifting us up. The psalm said, says, Blessed the man whom you instruct, O Lord, whom by your law you teach, give him rest from evil days. The Lord had, had both taught the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the people in the scribe, in the temple, in the law, from Paul's time, the same people that he's talking about as he's writing to the Roman church. He, the Lord, has instructed us too. And how many times do we abandon him in our days? How many times do we turn our back from what God prescribes, from what God invites us to do? But the Lord, the psalm says, will not cast off his people, will not abandon his inheritance. But judgment shall again be with justice, and the upright of heart shall follow it. The Lord is our help. So let us go to the throne and ask the Lord, to help us in our time of need. Father, we come today to thank you because you walk with us and you do not abandon us. And here we are in this season of changing weather and we ask that you help us be meek and humble of heart that in these shedding of illusions and deceptions and falsehoods, 
we may come to see ourselves as you see us, Father, in true humility, and we may speak of ourselves as you speak of us, as daughters and sons of the Almighty. And you invite us to a great wedding banquet where you are the honoree and you invite us to dine with you, Father, that we may never forsake this invitation and that in humility we may learn to have this cloak over your breastplate of righteousness so that in humility we may come to see you face to face. We ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.